Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Some Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And with me, as always, DJ Mark. Stop. And finally, returning to the show, man who took time out of his busy schedule to grace us with his presence, the legend himself, <laughs> Lavender Gooms. That is right. After a two-week hiatus that was just out of my control, was traveling two weeks ago, uh, had kitchen remodel stuff that had to be done last week. Couldn't avoid it, but I'm so happy to be back. Uh, we've got about two or three weeks of happies to catch up on. So going back to two Mondays ago, what is that? What was that November 6th? Obviously, happy National Nachos Day and happy National Saxophone Day. For all of you guys that love to feel sexy. Really? Nothing? Yo, that was okay. a good one. Yo, fuck y'all. All right? <laughs> y'all know y'all know good comedy. That's what I'm hearing. Anyway, last week, November 13th, as always, a happy National Indian Pudding Day. And, of course, a happy National Peanut Butter Fudge Day, which I'm particularly happy about because... Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are my favorite candy. Man, at three weeks, so, we man, at three weeks to remember that Mark's birthday was November seventh, and still didn't do it. Well, that's not that. That wasn't on podcast day, though. Yeah, he's, he's, that he's was like on Wednesday. Right? I I remembered it was his birthday on that Thursday. I forgot to text him, and by now it's been too late. It would have been very awkward. Pishon. Bobby just it's had to good. bring it up. Yeah, but anyway. Also, it wouldn't be me if I didn't bring it up. Okay, boys and girls. Um, the UFC had an event in front of 14 people. I don't know. Maybe one of those guys recorded a podcast about it. You guys can listen to that. Um, so, Guy no, Fieri was in the house. That's Guy Fieri needs to manage his time better. Uh, Brennan, and kidding aside, Brennan Allen. Brennan Allen's real good. Um, handled Paul mm-hmm. Craig on every level. So impressive. Um, the master of the rear naked choke gets another one. So we'll see. I would like to, I would like the suggestion of him fighting Marvin Vittori. Just putting that out there. Well, that'd be good. That sounds, if I'm Marvin Vittori, I may not like that suggestion because if I'm Marvin Vittori, I'm like, yo, Sean Strickland's a champion. I can be Sean Strickland. Give me a title shot. Don't make me go backwards. Um, well, let's not bury the lead here. Uh, we've been talking about this. Probably four or five months uh, that this was going to happen. Finally did. The Professional Fighters League, a.k.a. the PFL, have acquired Bellator. I don't know Bellator's full name. I would say Bellator Fighting Championships. Could be wrong. Um, Announced two days after Bellator's final event, Bellator 301, where had some cool stuff happened. I mean, granted, halfway through the card, I texted Mark saying, this card fucking sucks. Um, I'm not sure if it was exactly those words, but those were basically the sentiment I was conveying. Um, 
But here we are, man. PFL has acquired Bellator, and it's 210 fighters. Um, the amount of the sale is, I've heard, $100 million, but then the guy says, the guy who runs PFL, Don Davis, is like, well, it wasn't a cash deal. It was a stock deal. Which I don't know. Okay. That sounds like you probably gave something for the stock. I'm not an expert, Mike. But it sounds like you don't get something for nothing. So they gave something to get acquire the stock of Bellator. Um, Paramount is going to um, maintain a small ownership stake in Bellator still. Couple things that we're going to have to knock out of the way here first. Sounds like the Bellator brand is going to exist on some level. It's not really clear how. I think some people are mentioning international. I think it might be because Bellator's got a very strong presence overseas, especially in like um, Ireland and other parts of... Ireland's part of the UK, before I piss people off. Is Ireland part of the UK? Northern Ireland is part okay. of the UK. Uh, Ireland and the United Kingdom. Um, Bellator has really established a presence there. Uh, Bellator also has different rules than PFL. There's no elbows, PFL. So there's an interesting thing there. Sounds like um, we're going to get at least a Bellator versus PFL one-off show, which should be cool for those people who watch both of these shows. Um, the guy running PFL said ESPN and them have a, have a renewal when he was on Ariel's show today, which quite frankly, out of everything that was said today... Was Wait, the does most that mean it's been renewed already, or they're in the process of negotiating? He says a, a new deal is done, but the promotion won't announce it until huh? after the event, which is there. They have a pay per view this Friday, which ESPN now, ESPN set the price point at fifty dollars. I wonder if ESPN, um, if well, I guess the PFL put into its negotiation. Hey, we're going to be acquiring Bellator soon. Like this is. Like, it's going to be even more broadcasting for you, potentially. I wonder if that was keyed in. I wonder, honestly, if this is ESPN partly protecting its blind side here because of the UFC deal is going to come up for renewal soon, too. And I wonder if they're saying, hey, man, sure, you're doing well. You're doing well because we're ESPN. You know, we can do it with these guys, too. And why wouldn't they? They pretty much locked down the entire sport between these two companies. Um, especially giving the, I don't want to say hilarious because I like one. I think one is a, uh, probably frankly, one might have the best product when I watch it, bell to bell. But given the news about their financial instability, uh, ESPN pretty much just locked down the entire sport between these two things. Um, Kayla Harrison versus Cyborg is in play, allegedly. Look, I think this really, the takeaway here, Mark, for me, aren't these little details here or there. It's that someone is going for it. Like, as a trying to be a real number two that... And not that, you know, like, I mean, probably the closest thing we've had to a number two since Strike Force, where you can say that they have a good percentage of the viable top 20, 25 fighters in the sport... Don Davis, the PFL owner saying, or founder saying that they have 30% of the top 25 and that UFC only has 30% of the top 25, which I don't, that second part doesn't make any sense. But this is the first time in a while where I think someone has actually been out there, been like, yeah, here, we're the other one. We are the number two, actually. 
This is where you go as a competitor. This is where you go if you're a fighter trying to make a living that is comparable. We want to do pay-per-views. We want to be international. We're on ESPN. We have a whole bunch of Saudi money apparently behind us on some level. How much that's, how far that's going to go is a part of this conversation too, quite frankly. That is the thing that's interesting to me, Mark, because I don't think anybody's going to give a fuck if PFL Bellator fight card happens because, I mean, I'll watch it. But like, they already got me. I mean, theory, they already have the people like, I know you two aren't necessarily watching, but in theory, they have this level of hardcore fan. They need the other people watching the UFC. So I'm, that's what I found interesting about this announcement. What, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, besides the fact that, you know, we've seen this coming for a long time and it wasn't surprising at all, you know, now that it, that it actually has come to fruition, it, it is kind of interesting to think about, like, you know, what it means in the larger scale, you know, is it good, is it bad? Um, and, and you bring up some interesting points about, you know, the second tier or the next biggest organization. I, yeah, I can't recall any of them ever buying another organization, right? It has always been, the UFC has always bought whoever that second organization was or potentially third organization right because i think bellator was kind of in strike force were seen as second third rungs maybe before wc was when they bought wc but, but, but whatever you're getting into like you know minute details there but but yeah we haven't seen another smaller promotion kind of develop another promotion of like the same or bigger size because i mean i think you can make the argument that maybe bellator at least brand wise was more recognizable um, then the PFL. So you kind of have, you know, the smaller fish eating, you know, the slightly larger one. And that's kind of new for the landscape. I agree with you. Um, you know, I think they have to do this champion versus champion thing. I mean, it's the most interesting thing they're going to do unless they just want to absorb all the Bellator contracts into the PFL. Um, keeping them separate, I think it only makes sense that they'd have some kind of big event to try to garner more pay-per-view buys. But like you said, how far that goes, how much traction it gets from the fans, We'll see. Um, I feel like it's always going to be a, a bit of a benefit to have those PFL guys fight the Bellator guys because I think the Bellator guys just have a little bit more name value. You need some of those PFL guys to beat some of those Bellator guys so that the general consensus is these two organizations are talent-wise on equal footing. Because um, I think it is easier. It's easy to think like, well, the UFC is the most popular. They have the best fighters, right? In actuality, we've seen guys from Bellator and other organizations go into the UFC, and some of them don't, have done quite well and asserted themselves to at a point where you can look at these other organizations and say, like, oh, the talent's just as good. Um, I think the PFL having those matchups in house and getting some victories there will kind of garner that, like, yeah, our product's just as strong. Maybe more people that would only watch Bellator should watch more, uh, you know. PFL, but it, it is hard to think that it's going to move the needle a ton for them. Um, even the UFC so locked separate, in, man. The UFC so locked in and entrenched, but it is. Um, you know, I, I I think you know I think what's going to move the needle for them is some of the moves they've already made. Right, having Francis, having Francis, having Francis done what he just did, and his next fight probably going to be a PFL fight is going to, I think, garner a lot more eyes. And then who they put opposite of him, if they can pull off that Wilder fight, you know, goddamn, that's going to bring in a lot of eyeballs, right? If they could if they could pull off some big fight with Francis, I think it could get a lot of people to buy that pay-per-view. And then Jake Paul is also, you know, another arm of this that, you know, while it is an interesting kind of freak show fight, I think it can garner some eyeballs that they no normally wouldn't get. And now they do have the Bellator roster to kind of, potentially play with that matchup as well. So I, I think they have some interesting things going on, but 
how much it's going to help them in the long run is still really hard I, to see. I, I think I appreciate that where someone's going for it. And like, Mike, um, hear your thoughts on this here too. But yeah, we got to see. I guess these all these initial moves don't mean as much. But like, what are we going to get out of this? What are we going? Because I noticed, I didn't see one UFC fighter say a word. And I don't think that was an accident. Don Davis said, he said, Dana White doesn't really talk about things if he's not worried about them. And he says, they've been talking about, he's been, like, he's been saying PFL a lot recently. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, we now, also, over the is weekend. That, oh, one second, is that because of the PFL? Sorry, I just wanted to interject real quick. Is that because of the PFL or just because of Francis joining the PFL? I don't know. I think Dana White just looking for, I mean, today he was yelling at Peloton. So what the, the motherfucker is just a clown. Um, just barking. He's just man with no real power anymore, too. We should probably just ask Ari Emanuel how he feels while Dana White just hangs out with the Nelk boys. Um, but, you know, we got to also compound the fact where, like, this lawsuit's still going. UFC tried to reopen Discovery, and the judge is like, fuck off. So we're going to trial in April on that. There is a window here where, like, it's not like UFC's not going anywhere. Like, it's, it would take a seismic shift, you know? And it's not like these other MMA promoters aren't using the same exploitive contracts the UFC is. They are too. So the changes there changes everywhere. But, you know, we saw it in pro wrestling, right? Where we have a number two out there. A smaller number two, but a place where you can go and work and get a lot of million. And a lot of people watch you fight. You make millions of dollars. You can get paid. <coughs> Apologies. Still sick. Um, So in a year where a lot of people have been not so thrilled with the UFC, um, you know, matchmaking-wise, a lot of different things. The existence of a number two is important for a lot of reasons. So, I guess, what are your thoughts about what's going on here with the PFL and, well, you know, what does success even look like, in your opinion? Well, it's it's a number two and not a number two where it's so far behind the number one, it's it's not even worth calling it a number two. In this case, with this new merged entity, um, I'm reading Don, what's his name, Don Davis? Don Davis said, for example, that all Bellator fighters are will remain under contract and will be with, will still be with Bellator or, or the PFL, um, which I have to assume means that they likely have more fighters on the contract than the UFC, uh, potentially. Um it's 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 a strong number two at this point right now with Bellasaur on their toe. It's it's a massive organization. It's with ESPN. It's it's not a bullshit little um league by any stretch of the imagination. Um there are a lot of really talented fighters in PFL and in Bellator. But I think the one knock with either of them was, ah, but neither of them really have enough. Um, you would assume that wouldn't be the issue now. Um, sure, there might be a one-off event where it's Bellator versus PFL. I think before there's some real merging that starts happening between the two organizations. But you're likely going to get at least one card in the near future where all of Bellator's best and all of PFL's best fight on the same card. Um, that might be possibly one of the at least build best cards of the next year, potentially. So 
I think there is a window for this new organization to, to make some noise in the next six months. The ESPN thing is particularly interesting to me because I don't know, man. UFC goes and leaves for some other network. All of a sudden, the PFL is on every Saturday. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, the PFL is on every Saturday. And guess what? Uh, get up, first take. Um, all of those, all of those shows on ESPN. Guess what? They're going to be talking about PFL all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, Mark, it's interesting when you when ESPN does air a sport versus ESPN not airing a sport. A sport doesn't exist a lot of times. Like it's interesting when hockey is or is it hasn't been part of the US, ESPN like you know family. Like I think now mm -hmm. they're on ESPN hockey is for sure. I'm almost positive. There's some hockey on ESPN. Um but ES, hockey almost never existed to ESPN as like a sport. So I don't know. I mean, I think that part's honestly the most interesting part of this whole thing if they really have signed an extension with ESPN cuz and if UFC doesn't, right? I think that's the other cornerstone. If if ESPN holds on to both and they're like, well, you know, because I, I can't. So it does seem like when negotiations come, UFC probably will shop around to some yeah. degree. I imagine that, you know, for them, they're going to get a call from Turner. They're yeah. going to get a call from, call from NBC Universal. They're going to get a call from Fox. All these people are going to call. Yeah, right. And I and I do think for the UFC, it it, it has been beneficial being on ESPN. I, I think not only we've seen financially, right? Like a big, a large part of their income is coming from this TV deal. We've even said multiple times on this podcast, that the TV deal is probably the reason why we have so many lackluster cards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's also hurting the product to some extent, but it's obviously financially helping them so much that it's still been a boon. So when the contract does come up, if they go somewhere else and it is just like ESPN now just has the PFL, like, yeah, they're not going to talk about UFC. How much does that hurt their product? And like, where does the UFC go? Because um, it is kind of right now with because they're on ESPN and they've been there for so long. Like as a fan, it's been easy to be like, well, you know, like, personally, I only have ESPN plus because of UFC. Like, oh, bro, if, we just had a drop. UFC, yeah, we just had a no whole conversation, me and Mike, a week ago about like, because, you know, we definitely don't share streaming services. But we all had a conversation like, do we keep ESPN Plus? And it's like, well, that's the only one I'm using. I guess keep ESPN Plus. Like, it's because of them. That's why I exist. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I mean, for me personally, it's like the UFC is literally the only thing I get out of ESPN Plus at all whatsoever. So, like, if they if they go somewhere else, like ABC or, or who knows where, where they end up going, right? And it's like, well, I don't need this streaming service, so I'm definitely going to drop it, you know, without a doubt. And I have to imagine that there's, you know, a, a sizable margin of their ESPN subscription base is for UFC because that sport is so closely tied. You can't watch, you can't watch their product anywhere else, right? There is, I don't know about like basketball and the other sports they broadcast. I think there's a lot of other places you can yeah. go to see those games and the UFC, there's really not like you have to have an ESPN plus app to see these fight night cards. And even though we grown how the quality of them isn't all that great, you know, it's where the vast majority I mean, of the fights is, I are think, happening. I think they're carrying. I think they're covering up a lot of warts right now. Is the fact that this? You go to a bar, ESPN's on for no reason. That's ESPN. ESPN is easily the most valuable cable network by a country mile, followed number two by ESPN two. By the way, yeah. just to get an well, idea. Well, because you know what you're getting, right? There's yeah. there's sports. There's going to be sports on there. 
24-7, whether it's a live game or yeah. they're talking about it. It's just easy, yeah, if you own a sporting establishment or a sports bar or whatever. It's like, well, we just have the sport channels on, and that's ESPN, ESPN2, and maybe maybe a Fox Sports or one of those. But then otherwise, you're not going to put it on your local cable channel because maybe they're playing Seinfeld right now, and that's yeah. fine. And then maybe it goes to the news, and no one gives a fuck, so you have to change the channel. And why yeah. you want to do that, just leave it on the one channel. You're good for the night. So, yeah, it's... We're gonna see what happens here, guys. I think it's interesting. I like this. I mean, a lot of people don't live, haven't lived in a world with like a real like. I'm not even saying like number two as a competitor, but like, I don't know, man. Like, Strike Force got bought. I remember this because I was hanging out. I was with Mike outside of uh, Peter Luger's in New York. We were sitting there listening to Ariel interview Dana White. Dana White talking about buying Strike Force, and this was spring break. What a different time. Ariel interviewing Dana White. Whoa. This was spring break 2010 or 2011 for us. So like April. It was like April or it should be either 2010 or something like that. No, it's 2010, I think. Yeah. I think also it's worth mentioning when they purchased Strike Force, you could have made the argument that Strike Force had a better heavyweight division than the UFC did. Because they had the Strike Force Grand Prix there in the middle of it. They had Overeem. Verdum, Daniel Cormier, Josh Barnett, Fedor, um, Monson was in there. There was a cut. They had a lot of heavyweights in there, Big man. Bigfoot. Bigfoot Silva was yeah. in there. I forgot. Like, pretty much That's anybody crazy. who fought for a UFC title for the next three years was in that Tabellator tournament. So, that doesn't exist right now, obviously. There's no division where I'm like, yeah, the best, like, the best division is outside, you know. Light, light heavyweight. Even that, I mean, I'm, 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 for a while. like Nemkov might come fuck some people up. Like, by the way, Corey Anderson out there looking at UFC saying, now there's, now we got a champion who can't wrestle, huh? Corey Anderson's just like, I could have been UFC champion. I could have grappled this Brazilian dude. What the hell? I could have, you know, beast in 25-8 this motherfucker. Um, so we'll see. Bellator champion, PFL this weekend is on pay-per-view. They got talent. It's just don't have a lot of names. Like Olivier Aubin-Mercier, always been a big OAM fan. Clay Collard. Clay Collard's a good fighter. Larissa Pacheco's on there. Magomed. Magomed Karakov is a good fighter. Asada Busi is a good fighter. Kayla Harrison. There's some people in here. Ray Cooper III. It's just... They needed... I think this is going to be very good for PFL having the... Because Bellator's got some... It's interesting. Bellator has some talent, man. You know, I was watching the show this past weekend. <coughs> My guy... Um, the Bellator, uh, well, former welterweight champion, um, Yaroslav Amasov, just got his shit pushed in by Jason Jackson. Jesus Christ, that was an ass-whooping mark. Woo! But, like, Bellator's got this talent, man. Like, Patchy Mix. Patchy Mix is a good fighter. Patchy Mix is a good fighter. Sojir Pettis is a good fighter. AJ McKee's a good fighter. Alexander Shabli, good fighter. Patricio Pitbull, good fighter. They got talent up and down that uh, that uh, promotion. It would have been nice if Showtime got behind them a little bit more and pushed it a bit more, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe this is a maybe this is a pointless endeavor. Maybe PFL flames out the Saudis spend losing a bunch of money and that's it. Um but I appreciate the effort. I appreciate that someone's fucking going for it. You know what I mean? In a world where I would mm -hmm. like I would like some competition. I would like another choice than me watching Brendan Allen fight uh fucking uh paul craig two good fighters in front of 20 people in vegas while f1 ruins the rest of the city 10 miles down the road um like this should be good man this should be good so we'll see 
Um, and I, if I'm Alexander Chablis, I'm like, hey, I've, I'm in the finals of the lightweight Grand Prix. Who do I fight for my million dollar check? Who do I need to beat? <laughs> How does this work? How does this work? You know, what's happening here? Um, anyway, um, yeah, there's not, I mean, there's no UFC card this weekend. It's Thanksgiving. Bellator, I mean, mm-hmm. the PFL pay per view is on Friday, which $50 price tag set by ESPN. Part of me wonders if ESPN is just like, let's see how this works without the UFC. How many are we going to sell? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. How much they're paying PFL for how much they're paying the UFC? Might be worth it to just have some like little other MMA promotion that you don't pay shit to. So, I mean, they're the ones with the numbers, right? They'd have to be looking at like what the PFL normally does. Yeah. On ESPN Plus, I think they do pretty well. As then, I understand, I think I think it eats the UFC. I think it eats Dana White's uh, Dana White up. Then when you go to the ESPN Plus app and you hit MMA, it you got to pick mm-hmm, PFL right or there. UFC. I think that eats that man up inside. Um, do you think they did it alphabetically? Uh, I think it is alphabetical. <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, we're a couple weeks away. We're two weeks away from, quite frankly, a really good card. That, in terms of our picks, I think I was talking to Mark earlier today. We were saying. There's like four fights that on that card that we're picking, and I don't know who's winning any of these. Like Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, I don't know. Benil Dariush, Armin Sarukian, I don't know. Rob Font, Davison uh, Figueredo, I don't know. Sean Brady, Calvin Gasolum, I don't know. <laughs> that's when I uh, that's when I lose uh, my lead. I think we're all gonna be no, flipping coins that oh. night, brother. Yeah, we're all gonna be flipping coins that night. Yeah, fine. I think yeah, I think you got like two or three uh, of us right now, so we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, all right. I mean, that's really all the news we had to talk about. I'm, you know, what am I- you, there's one more thing you want to talk about. You've been calling it for years that one FC is full of oh, BS when they're okay. talking about how much money they're making. Uh, Let me tell yeah. you. Okay. I've been saying it for a while that Chaudhry, like, Chaudhry is like, makes like, like, makes Dana look like Abe Lincoln. Okay. Like, Chaudhry is a level of liar. Okay. <laughs> That he just says shit and like with nothing to back it up about how much money they're making. So here's what we got with one. And I'm not happy to report this because I've said it. One is my favorite show to watch, I think, quite frankly. In the cage, mm-hmm. they put on cool shit. I fucking love it. So one needs money badly. Okay. They went to the uh, Qatari Investment Authority, which is kind of like the Saudi investment fund, but in Qatar. They said, we need that cash, baby. We need some money. And apparently the Qataris aren't so thrilled with their investment making no money. Apparently the actual cash revenue one made in fiscal year 2022 was somewhere between five and eight million dollars in revenue. Not profit. It's not great. Revenue. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So essentially what I'm hearing is that they <laughs> lost money. There were no way they were operating out of profit. Yeah. Um apparently they have enough money. Through three quarters of this year. Um, they need some money. I would ask that somebody please give one money and maybe as a condition, Chatri goes home. But like, I would like their product to survive. I am a big fan. They're going to different commissions and getting their rule set approved. I think Georgia approved it now. I know Colorado had in the past because they did that show in Colorado. So, you know, we'll see. Um, they're in trouble though. They're in real troubles with the sound of it. So all that stuff about Chaudhry saying we got like 500 million things or whatever. Let me tell you, we got to go sell those Tubi belts. 
those heavy ass belts they're putting on people, we're gonna need the cash. So we're gonna have to sell the belts. Let's get Mighty Mouse some sort of foam belt instead. Like let's 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 do this, okay? Because this is, yeah, not great, not great. So you know, you can be a promoter and be a snake oil salesman, but you gotta have some sort of paycheck, uh, some sort of money behind it. Let's say give Dana that. He's gonna be over there and make shit up. At least he's making some money on the end of it. So now I I feel the issue with Chachri is that if you're gonna go to a regime that is known for for trafficking and modern day slavery and generally just well, not being Qataris great i don't think the qataris are known for that the saudis yes well that's well that's what i was getting that's what i was getting at bobby the qataris aren't really that they do it but they're not really that known for it so they don't need as much sport sports washing as like the saudis his issue is that he should have just gone to the saudi the saudis don't give up uh, yeah. about a return just on find, their investment. You gotta find the right... The just find the right prince, okay? They got like 750 members of the fucking royal family there. Just find the right guy. You know... That's the guy that gives the money. the Saudis, that's some real fuck you money, because we got like the British monarchy, they're like, oh, we gotta cut back. We've got too many royals. Whereas there are like seven thousand princes in the in the Saudi. Hey man, people uh, are not too. driving more gas-powered vehicles these days, so you might as well get as get what you can out of this while you can. So with the Saudis, man, they gotta they gotta milk this for what they can at the moment. So anyway, um, <coughs> yeah, that's it. What's going on right now? I don't think any other big uh, UFC news has popped off uh, today. Um, if you want to hear more from the guy running PFL and try to make sense of what the fuck's going on, uh, I think he was on Ariel's show earlier today. So I think Ariel had a nice long interview with him. Um, so go check that out. Um, but yeah, so we're going to, we're going to talk some bullshit and then we're going to do stuff we like. So something Sounds I'm good. just straight ripping off from up, up, down, down is that he's, uh, is that Woods is out here going up to the wrestlers asking them, what's your favorite video game? Of all time. Top five video games of all time. And while I'd like to do that, and hell, we might have time to do that too, I'm going to do this. Mike, your top five fights of all time. Any reason at all. Ooh, all right. Um, Obviously, we are going to go with uh, Izzy versus Calvin Gastelum. Ooh, okay, uh, that that's was one. a big one. Uh, first Shogun Dan Henderson fight. Ooh, okay, let's, let's, let's uh, get back. Izzy and, Izzy, Izzy and Gastelum was... Interim title, or is it vacant that's, title, interim title? That's for the like, interim title. Interim title. Right. That's for the interim title. And then... Uh, Hendo, Hendo versus Shogun. Yep. Uh, that was an, that was another good one. Uh, oh, man, like, you gave us maybe about a half hour to that, think that, about That's this. why I did it. Um, <laughs> uh, I had mentioned it before, and I was serious. This one was one of the most fun fights I ever watched, the R.I.P. to Kimbo. But um, we're going to go with uh, Kimball Slice versus uh, Dada 5000. Ooh, that's uh, good, that's that was another one. great one. That's three. Um, for one of the sickest knockouts I have ever seen, even though the fight wasn't really that competitive, um, we're going to go with Adam Sella versus... Um, oh, Jesus. Why am I blanking on his name? Hall. Uh, guy from Queens. You're right, Hall. Um, Uriah Hall. Yeah. And um No Diaz brother in sight. 
I mean, what Diaz fight would really like? I mean, I guess just uh, we don't have to. even though it lost. I mean, even though it lost me five thousand dollars, that was one of the happiest I've ever been. Um, as seeing another man's success, it would be Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. First one. Of course, the first one. Okay, so we got um, the recap. We got Izzy versus Gastelum. We got Hendo versus Shogun 1. We got Dada 5000 versus Kimbo Slice. We got... That is in no one else's top five. We got Uriah Hall versus uh, Adam Sella was the kid's name. Adam Sella. Hopefully he woke yep. up. And then finally, he Nate, did eventually. Yeah, Nathan Diaz versus Conor McGregor. That's interesting. Five. Okay. And, and it, it it would be easy to just list off like really good fights. Um, <laughs> you know that were like either fight of, fight well, of the let's year, not candidates, my list before or fight I fucking of the year do it. Awards. Let's not diminish my list before I fucking put it out there. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just gonna say that's that's fine, but for me, you know, like I, I like to think hey, about the fights. Whatever I think reason, are memorable. Whatever reason you want to go with, Marcus, you want to go next, or you want me to go? I'm, next? De okay. I'm defending my list already. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead, Bob? Okay, I'm gonna go. A lot of mine are because I was there. I realized the live experience really adds it to me. For um, I'm gonna share the one I have with Mike first. Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua was almost a goddamn religious experience for me there. That was incredible. I st we stood up for every second of that fight. It was awesome. I love the fights like that. Was, was Mike at that one? No, for me and I'm saying I shared it with Mike because Mike picked that one too. That's what oh, I mean. oh, no, that's you and me were there. You, me and Steph were there. Um, that was good because after the third round, people started leaving and it was like the first main event that was five rounds, non-title. And we were all yelling at the people, there's two mm -hmm. more rounds. There's two more. That was one. Um, Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald. I was there for that one too. Um, so another one that the live experience there. Nick Diaz versus uh, Paul Daly. The single best one round fight I've ever seen in my life. This is going to be a weird one, uh, but mostly because I remember everything about being there, being at home watching it with Mark. Rampage Jackson versus Chuck Liddell. Because it was one of the, ha it was Mark was so, you wanted Chuck to lose so badly. And it just seemed like you were offended that like nobody was recognizing that Quentin whooped his ass the first time. And you're like, Quentin's going to get him. Quentin's going to get him. And you were just like, fuck yeah. And I was like, yeah, man. Hell yeah. I don't know why. That really stuck out to me always. Um, I have a few. I'm, I, I know I'm going to miss one here that like really I like, but. Uh. I'm the one who came up with this fucking thing and I'm struggling. Um, yeah, well, recap what you have. And let me go back. Oh, God. Nick Diaz, four. Paul Daly, yeah. uh, Hendo Shogun, one, uh, Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald. What was the one I just said? Oh, Rampage uh, and Chuck. Rampage and Chuck. Okay. And then... Um, Okay. Uh fuck it. Uh let's go with uh this isn't so much the fight itself as what happened at the end of the fight was Nate Diaz versus Michael Johnson. Because at the end of the fight he gave the um Stockton Conor McGregor, you took everything I'll work for, motherfucker. That was another one. Like moments really stuff like that really gets to me, at least. 
you know, if I was going to go honorable mention, you're probably going to get like Leonard Garcia and uh, Leonard Garcia and Zombie. Leonard Garcia in like four different fights, quite frankly, where he should have lost most of them and he got wins. So those are my five. Marcus, what are your five? He had to mention that Leonard Garcia. <laughs> that was one of the ones I was going to do. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Do. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, it, it's tough. We, we talked about it before the show, and I like didn't think about it until you brought it up. But uh, an easy go-to that I always talk about one of my favorite fights being uh, Carlos Newton and uh, Eric Pele um, in Pride. That was another one that was like, the best seven minutes of mixed martial arts early on there. Um, and then another one that... I, a lot of this is just like whatever you could pop in your head that you remember enjoying to a good extent. Um, when you mentioned Diaz brothers, I was like, okay, I want to put Nick and Gomi. That was uh, there, yeah. Cause that was Gogo Plata. Just a crazy fight where they're both just beating the crap out of each other. Um, shoot. What other ones were there that there's a lot of like ones that just like, don't have that significance, but I just like, like watching the fight. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of ones where like, what? I just think about like moments from the fight. Like I remember like, Randleman and Krokop, the end of the fight was like so cool. But like, you know, I don't remember any of the moment of the fight. You know what I mean? I just remember that moment and stuff too. Like, or like what about know. uh John Jones and uh Gustafson? Yeah, that one. was incredible. That's another yeah. one. I was like, dude, yeah. look, we could have That was never one of my favorite fights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, if I, I, mean, um, I think none of us none of us thought that Gustafson had a chance of like, oh my god, because the whole commercial this. was how tall he is. Look how tall this guy is. We're sure he's gonna do well. He's tall. Turns out it was true. He was so tall, he gave him trouble. <laughs> Great, greatness within reach, I think, was the tagline. Uh -huh. yeah, I did want to mention Zombie and Leonard Garcia um, specifically because that one was, uh, you know, I, you were there. I think for a lot of people, Zombie's coming out party. And it was just like, and I talked about it when Zombie retired a few months ago. Like, that was just like one of those things where it's like, I knew who that guy was because I had watched Sengoku tournament that he was in. And he did so well in that tournament. He impressed me so much there that, like, the name and the name kind of sticks out Korean Zombie or even Chang Sung Jung. So when I saw Chang Sung Jung, I was like, is that the dude I think it was from <laughs> Goku? I'm about to watch him fight right here. And I was telling, you know, I told the story last time. Like, I was telling Steph, like, dude, we are in for a fucking treat. And no one in this fucking arena, I mean, okay, there's probably a few people that knew who he was, but like, no one knows. Like, we're about to see something really special and they delivered right and that's really kind of like the, the big thing there is that like they actually delivered now i remembered one of my other fights and again like this is a fight that like in the grand scope of things not the most important fight of this tournament but like i've always liked watching uh a young alistar overeem and chuck liddell fight well that, that fight. was really that was really the first fight where like it and that's the fight I became an Overeem fan because I just loved how that dude fought. Like the, his style of fight was just so different. The knees to the body, the way he struck was just like, I was like, damn, I, it, it, he lost that fight. He got knocked the fuck out in that fight. But I was just like, damn, I so really like the way this guy fights. All you're time. at four, right? You got Pele, Landy Johns versus Newton. You got yeah. uh, Leonard Garcia versus zombie, one, zombie. The first one. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. you got Nick Diaz versus Takanori Gomi. And then you yeah. have uh, Alistar Overeem versus Chuck Liddell. Yeah. And I need one more. Um, I want to throw have, like a heavyweight. Do you heavy have, any, yeah, you have none of the UFC so far? It's interesting. Yeah. Mark I mean, Hunt and Bigfoot Silva was one I considered for me personally. That was one I was up there. That was pretty sick. Mark fight. Hunt and Bigfoot Silva? Vanderlei Silva? No, Bigfoot Silva versus Mark Hunt. Remember they went 25 minutes beat the shit out of each other in Australia? Dude, I don't. That was our fight of the I year one year. I don't remember that fight at all. They just stood there I and crumbled each other. I should watch that again. 
I was, I was, when you mentioned Mark Hunt, I was like, oh, Mark Hunt and Vander Silva had a really good fight. I do want to get a heavyweight in there. An easy choice would be Heath and Nog, because that was just one of the early Pride fights. I was like one of the best. Um, Dude, Bob Sapp and Nog. Bob Sapp and Nog ruled. That fight ruled. <laughs> that did. Yeah, we'll do Bob Sapp and Nog. Don Fry and uh, uh, Takayama. Uh, Takayama was Dude, I almost said I almost said BJ Penn's fucking 22 minutes sustained slaughter of Diego Sanchez. That was one of my favorite. It was I've mm-hmm. never seen a man get destroyed so badly for so long. <laughs> I mean, not one of us at Anderson yeah. Silva baptizing up Forrest Griffin in two minutes. That was pretty cool. Oh, that was good. When too. we talk or, about or this, honestly, eating. for all the bullshit that goes on in this sport, when we talk about stuff like this, it reminds me why we like talk about fights and do this for the reason because it's really the fights. It's for moments, yeah. You know, because all this other bullshit, like you know. And you know what, man? All every one of those fights, not one of them would have been better being in front of fifteen people, in front of the APEC. Oh, not a single one. Yeah. Crowd's a big part of a lot of these things, man. Ah, oh, fuck it. Let's do video games too. <laughs> Let's do yeah, top five games. Fuck it, Mike. You want to go first? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Ah, uh, but man, any like <laughs> any reason? It's we 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 talked about this uh, shortly before the podcast. Video is, I think, is just so much harder. Um, but I'll, I'll try to give it a go. Um, Final Fantasy VI, um, Super Mario Brothers Three, uh, Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. Ooh. Um, I I thought you were, I, I, when you start saying Legend of Zelda, a lot of people say Ocarina of Time. I thought you were gonna say Ocarina of Time personally. I don't know. I don't. Um. <laughs> now for me, uh. I mean, there is also, like, A Link to the Past was the one I played the most um, growing up. I think Ocarina of, T- Ocarina of Time, I played once. Yo, I played did, it did, one time through. Did you ever see it. the clip of uh, Cody Rhodes on Stone Cold Podcast? And Stone Cold goes, favorite video game, of, favorite Zelda game of all time. And Cody goes, Ocarina of Time. And Stone Cold goes, nah, yeah. bro, Breath of the Wild. And, like, Cody's just like, nah, bold choice. I thought maybe Stone Cold knew something about Zelda. Stone Cold's I don't like, think that's that bold a choice. Yeah, no, Stone Cold goes, um, hey, I didn't know anything. One of my researchers wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so cool at the time. Uh, All right, so you got Final Fantasy VI, Super Mario 3 for the NES, um, and then mm-hmm. the third one was... Uh, uh, a Link to the Past. Link to the Past. What was that on? Uh, that was on the Super Nintendo. Right on. Uh, then besides that, we are going to go with Marvel vs. Capcom 2, mm-hmm. uh, the one with the weird elevator music that is uh, permeating uh, <laughs> throughout the whole game, and um, MVP Baseball 04. Yeah, Mike, I did not expect anybody else to say MVP Baseball 04. I, do you understand how much <laughs> MVP Baseball 04 I played? <laughs> Bro, me and my friend OJ played so... Dude, I played so much MVP Baseball 04... Fuck it, let me just go into my list. Um, Dude, you're, you're not the only one who played this shit. Okay, of MVP so just Baseball to recap, 04. you got MVP Baseball 04, Link to the Past, we got um, Super Mario 3, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Marvel Capcom Mario 2, 3, and then Final and Fantasy 6. Link to the Past. Those are your five. All right, um, I didn't expect to share one with you, and it, it's, it's MVP Baseball 04. I played so much MVP Baseball 04 that I the franchise the fake players in the franchise repeated and they always were the same. So like I knew 
when there was like a guy whose name was like M. Gafuri, I know that motherfucker is going to be an all-star in 10 years if I ride this franchise out. The, the thing no one talks about, man, is when they went exclusive with the fucking Madden, when Madden went exclusive to EA, the NFL yeah. rights, that killed MVP baseball. And it was like, it made me so upset. I, I remember trying to play MVP yeah. baseball. Was it 04 or 05? The one? Yeah. Which was which was the one that was the last uh, one? Oh, oh, 04 was the one with Manny Ramirez. That was the last one. Yeah, okay. That one then, yeah. Because I remember I played the college there one. Technically was a, there technically was an MVP baseball 05, but that was with college Yeah, baseball, I tried to play that. And it just made me sad. John Dowd, though, on the Giants, who was the fake Barry Bonds, was so good. It was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, MVP baseball. Uh, MVP baseball. I love that game, man. That's my favorite baseball game. I struck out. I struck out twenty three people with the Ohan Santana in that game one time. I was so proud, so proud. I was like, "That's right, twenty three strikeouts." MVP Baseball 04, or I guess it was 04, Yeah. Um. Madden sixty four. Matt, do I want a Madden game in there? Okay, I'm gonna pet, put a pen in Madden sixty four. Okay. Um. Super Mario World for <laughs> Super Nintendo. Um. That one's in there for sure. Um, Spider-Man, the first one in the the series here, the PS4 one. Um, it brought me back to the happiness I got out of the Spider-Man 2 game from Xbox, and it was better. So that right there. Um, NBA Shootout 97. I bought a PlayStation because of NBA Shootout 97 commercial. That's why I bought a PlayStation. Wow. was that commercial. Uh, that's what did it. Uh, it's either, number five is either Red Dead Redemption or it's Madden 64. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel I feel for you it might be Madden 64. It is Madden just 64. Because that was the one we talked about in the pre Yeah, it's Madden 64. It's Madden 64, man. I played so much Madden 64. I didn't know how to do... I didn't have a spin move. I just used a joystick on 64. If you, if you gave me the 49ers, all I needed was one play, and I could run it every single time, and you were not stopping Steve Young. Because if you try to chase Steve Young, man, Garrison Hurst is going to break out. You cover Garrison Hurst and you cover Steve Young. Hey, man, I got Jerry Rice. Oh, who's on the other side? If you try to cover Jerry Rice, I got T.O. Could not be stopped. I'll tell you, could not be stopped. That was that was my squad in there. Honorable mention, honorable mention to Red Dead, probably. And NCAA football, the one with Joey Harrington on the cover. That was Ooh, I played. I played one. Joey Harrington. I played that NCAA, and then one day my Xbox said the disc was damaged, and I'm like, "How is it damaged? It hasn't left the system in five months." It's the only game I've played Honor- on the stupid system. <laughs> Honorable mention. Um, I think the Madden that had Michael Vick on the cover. I think that was Madden 05 or 03. 03? Who was? It was an 04. O two 2 is Culpepper. It might have been 01. Mm, I don't think it was that early. Madden 03 it is was, Marshall I, Falk. Madden 04 so is I Michael Vick. Is Madden, Michael Vick broke okay. Madden. Michael Vick, you could... He, you, was, you he, could, was, he was a god in that game. You know, my brother became a menace because he figured out how to beat these kids who only knew how to play with, my, with Michael Vick. It was called get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and just take the fucking ends both just out 
And all of a sudden, these fucking kids would quit the game within like three plays of getting sacked. And that was it. You get like an insult from the kid on chat, and that'd be it. And he broke Madden. That's why Michael, Michael Vick literally broke the mechanics of Madden. They didn't know what to do. <coughs> all right. I, I am inch, I'm interested to see what five games make it onto March. Yeah, because of all the ones here, Mark no. is easily the most serious gamer. And I. Oh, yeah. I think I have a guess. I have none guess. I have no guesses. Not at all. I was going to say probably a Street Fighter. That's my guess. A Street Fighter game. Sure. That's it. Sure. Street Fighter 2 yeah, Turbo, I mean, specifically. Yeah, like you guys, there's a lot of good ones. Um, and I'm thinking about the ones that I guess like, because I, I watched all those up, up, down, downs too. Um, so I've been thinking about like, oh, what would I say? Um, which ones do I agree with or whatever? And there, there's some that are very, I mean, one's very easy. I've talked about it on the show before. Final Fantasy VII, the original one on PlayStation 1. Um, I'll always consider it to be my favorite game. And just from a financial standpoint, like, it's a game I probably rebought the most. Like, I have the most ways to play that game over and over again. And it's also one of those games, like, anytime I think about it, it's just like, I always want to start it up again. It's probably the game I've started. I haven't completed. Um, I mean... It might maybe see. Am I completed the most? I don't think I completed it that much. But it's like it's the game. Like I've started that game so many times because I always was like, oh, let's 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 start it up again. Let's let's at least do the first disc or something. Um, yeah. So Final Fantasy VII is an easy one. Um, yeah. And then there's got to be a Street Fighter in there. And there's really two that are my favorite. Even though like six that just came out is actually really good. And you know, time will tell when everyone's been released for the game. You know how that stands up. Um, but the, the older school ones that are easily my two favorite is alpha two and, uh, third strike street fighter three, third strike. Um, and for uh, me, I'm it, live arc, I assumed you were going to say street fighter alpha two. Yeah. I, I, it's, it, it's one of these things where a lot of people would argue alpha three is potentially better. There's just, I, I just have a better, I have more of a connection with alpha two and it's probably because I, I got it on, Alpha 2 was the only one that was released on Super Nintendo, and it was a really bad port. Like, it's god-awful. Um, but I didn't have a PlayStation, so, like, when it, when they announced it for Super Nintendo, I was like, oh my god, I'm so getting that game. Um, and just played a ton of it there, and well, I did play a lot of Alpha 3 on PlayStation 1. I was actually a fantastic console port. They added a whole bunch of new characters. Um, Alpha 3, I don't know what it, what it is about it exactly. It could just be a little bit of bloat where there is maybe too many characters, the endings aren't quite unique. There's just something about Alpha 2 that really always just resonated with me. And um, even on my little handheld, uh, it PlayStation. I mean, actually, I mean, I mostly played it on Super Nintendo. I don't think I got it for PlayStation. I got Alpha 3 on PlayStation. I don't think Alpha 2 came out for Super um, Nintendo. It did. Yeah. Oh, okay, it was I'm blind. The, Never mind. It's it SNES. I'm yeah. blind. Never mind. My bad. Yeah. It came out late and it was it was a rough port. Like it, it's it's known to be like a really bad like when you start a match, it'll go fight and it literally freezes for like three seconds. And then it starts. Like did, it's it's like you think the game is broken. Wait, we're right a question. Did you have a Saturn when we were kids? Ever? No. I, I bought one like in the last year. Yeah, I know you remember I remember uh, when you bought Eddie, the one, you know. Eddie did. Yeah. Eddie had a Saturn, he had Alpha One, which I thought I've also really I really enjoy the Alpha series in general. Um and then, you know, to talk about Street Fighter 3. Street Fighter 3 was just like when it came out, like it was on a different different level with the animation it had, like the amount of detail it had. I was just completely blown away and always liked the three series. And then Third Strike is where 
the gameplay really came together. It was just an awesome game. But I'm not, I'm not going to put strike a uh, third strike on there because I'm going to keep it to one Street Fighter. So we got Final Fantasy VII, um, Street Fighter Alpha Two. This one's just a personal favorite, and it's just one of those games that I looked forward to so much. It came out, met my expectations, continued to play it a bunch, and still even today will jump in and play it from time to time. And that's Hell Divers, which really originally came out on PS3 and Vita. Um, the sequel is coming out next year. It's an isometric four-person shooter, and it just it has these scar- Starship Trooper vibes with a little bit of like Warhammer 40k, and it's just like it's always just been that game that just like hit everything perfect for me. It controls perfectly. You can play with random people and don't even have to use voice chat. They have four different little voice audio things on your D-pad you could use. I just feel like for me personally, it's like one of the perfect games. Like I just I can always jump in there, have a good time, do some missions, and just have a ball playing with random people um, and have returned to it and maybe put the most hours into it. Um, I think on PlayStation it said I had like 400 hours, but that I don't know if that's right. I have to think like I left the machine on or something too. Um, so Helldivers is up there. We'll round it out with. I'm trying to think of some well, you other got three. ones that. Yeah, that, that's that's okay, the top three. Okay, round it out. Like got another one coming. There was there was a couple other ones I was like ah this one or that one. Um, I have to put the original Resident Evil on there, the old school one. Um, I know a lot of people like the remake, and I love the remake too. Um, that was on GameCube and got re released. Um, there's just a lot of nostalgia with the the very first one. Um, I think that's, I think, yeah, when I was picking a lot of these games, oh, I remember, okay, I was, I, now I'm starting to remember some of the ones I was hedging on. I'll, I'll definitely keep Resident Evil on there because it's, it's also one of those games that I've thought about just like the characters and the story outside of that game, just like the most, like, honestly, if I was going to write a adaptation for a video game, I want to write a mini series for Resident Evil, the first game, because I want them to explore those other characters of stars. And I just think there's so much rich lore there that that series just really hasn't dug into. They really just kind of skip past what happens in the first game and gets into the second and umbrella and all that stuff. And I, I just don't feel like they've really captured the essence of like what, what made me so interested in that series was really that first game and having these like weird squad of special tactics officers going into the woods to figure this stuff out and i think there's like you could do a really fun show with all that um and then lastly i mean i just made realized i made an inexcusable mistake on my list but go ahead finish yours well i'm gonna i'm gonna throw i i should put metal gear solid on there i just i didn't want my list to be too ps1 centric um so I was just trying to think, like, what are these games that, like, I'm always down to play that, like, really were really good? And, and we're doing the MMA podcast. I'm going to put UFC 3 Undisputed on there because that was really one of the games. Like, with you guys and Madden, I think, like, sometimes when you have multiple hobbies or whatever, when they kind of can come together, and especially, like, in a video game form, it could really elevate that other hobby as well, because like I'm sure with you guys with football and your and, and different sports and stuff, like having a, a video game based on that sport is just like I can kind of play that indefinitely. I can make up my own little scenarios in my head and do different series with different teams. And for me and UFC Undisputed Three is just like it was just a perfect as far as we've come, um, the perfect combat sports game where it had all these fighters from Pride that game I rolled. You know, the roster game fucking was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, game and then rolled. how it played and controlled was like it was really what. Once I got used to how to kind of like manipulate the game, I could really 
play and have matches the way that I want them to. And that means sometimes having some stinky, boring ass matches. Uh. I can be Dan Severin and like, yeah, I'm just going to get this dude in an over or under clinch and put him up against the post and not do shit because like Dan Severin's not an exciting fighter and I can simulate dude, a dude, not exciting so fight with this dude. Dude, they've, they've gone backwards um, since. That was such a good game. Yeah. And it's, and it has been disappointing. Yeah. Um, you know, I could even talk about UFC five that just came out and it's still just, it's not hitting that level of like, I just can't, do and manipulate the game into a way that like i'm having a good time being like oh as a lot of times it's like i want to be kind of a boring <laughs> fighter and i want to have kind of everything's a not a fucking fight. wheel kick bonanza okay that's what these games yeah. are now and, and, and they and they felt everyone just felt so true to themselves and there was just like that was such that was just that game that was just like man they they put my favorite organization in it has these crazy rule sets it plays fun it's just like Dude, it was they, really. They, and if was, they found a way, if someone found a way to bootleg that game onto playing on a PlayStation Five or really on my PC or anything, I'll give a hundred bucks. I got a hundred bucks yeah. for them and, for me to play that same and, game again. <laughs> and again, very unique to where I was in my life, and just you know where the opportunity I had and where my interests were kind of all coalescing. And like you know, at the time I was interning for Destructoid, and they needed someone to cover the UFC. I think they already. Technically, they had already sent. They were already going to send somebody out to that event, and it was in San Francisco, so it was super close. They were already going to send someone out, and I was like, I have, I have to go to that thing. I want to go there so bad. And it was just like it was one of those things. Like I got there and I got to play, and I'm like, I'm playing as Jake Shields versus Carlos Newton, and I'm just like, I couldn't be more happy. I was just like, this is the best fucking thing in the world. And Dude, then like, there's soccer leave. kicks. Yeah, Dude, you could, and the, the, the ref <laughs> cam, and like they did, they, they just they did such a great job with that game, and it was just one of those things like where I was so amped to play, it and I got to play it early, and then like leaving it was just like I, I can't function until that game is released, and then it was like when the game came Dude, out, the entire the, the entire and, intro of this podcast is from Mark going to that event. All those people talking yeah, about got, that's pretty much lot, all this intro. Um, honestly, you I was thinking, I, Mark, I was thinking about like, man, I didn't put a fighting game on there, and then all of a sudden I was sitting there thinking, I'm like. Oh my god! I left off No Mercy. So um, there's oh, no video game too. that I have played more. And hell, me and Mark probably together have like fifty to hundred hours on that game. Okay, WWEF sure. No Mercy. Madden gotta go. WWF No Mercy. Mike, that first game came out when it was WCW versus NWO World Tour, and it was so good. It was so good. I know there was like a WCW game, WCW versus the world first on PlayStation. Didn't get the burn. Mm -hmm. World Tour had all these other dudes on there, man. Like there's some random MMA fighters in that game, by the way. And then Revenge was sick. And then WrestleMania 2000 was sick and so hard. Hardest story mode ever. How am I supposed to be Triple H and Xbox at the same time? Still, that was so hard. That was, it might be the greatest achievement I've ever <laughs> pulled off in a video game was beating Xbox and Triple H at the same time. No mercy. Let me tell you how many times Mark and I beat up the Hardy Boys, okay, in ladder matches. This is what we did every weekend, okay? No Mercy was like, you could put people through a table. You could stand on top of a fucking ladder in the ring and go through a dude on a table outside in an N64 game. You could, when you when we created a fighter, a wrestler in those games, it took 40 minutes because there was all these, you had to do C. What's your weak grapple up with C? Weak grapple down with C down. Weak grapple with this and that. That game was so cool. And then you were able, I don't know what it was called, where you could like, there was this thing you could buy and plug into your PC and you could put in your N64 memory card 
and then you could mm-hmm. download shit off uh, on on onto the thing. So then there was people making like the WCW and ECW people, and then I download them onto this onto this little memory card and pop it into my N sixty four. Dude, No Mercy was so good. Like AEW's game that came out, and it's kind of shitty. Like it's okay. It's fucking average at best. Them, the, me being able to play that game and it having the same mechanics as No Mercy made me so happy for about 20 minutes. Because I was just like, it's so cool. Doing all this weak grapple, strong grapple shit. So cool. Like, that's my favorite wrestling video game. Easily. Easily. Yeah. I don't care how much cooler the 2K looks or all the weird shit you can do. Dude, No Mercy ruled. No Mercy was like, that game was awesome. Story mode was awesome. You could put titles on the line all the time. No mercy. This was fun, by the way. I enjoyed that. Yeah. We should do it with other shit when we run out of stuff to talk about. When the UFC manages not to, you know, overbook itself every fucking weekend. Um, see stuff we like and uh, call it a day. I watched the so first good. four episodes of The Crown season six. They only released. <laughs> <coughs> they only released the six episodes. Um. It was already the four episodes so far of the season. I think there's another, I think, is it 10, 10 episode seasons, I think? So I think six more are coming, I think. It might be eight total. It's either four yeah, or six more coming. Really is. Um, I've made my feelings pretty clear on this podcast about how much I did not enjoy season five. And, you know, all the shit about the divorce and all. Like, my favorite, you watched The Crown also, right, Mike? If I'm not mistaken, you watch it as well. I I do. I am not completely caught up on season five though. Okay. My favorite. I think part I've about kind of show, lost interest in it. My favorite part of the show is, quite frankly, the uh, way they weave in the history of Br- of Britain and what's happening in the world into the story, into how it's affecting the royal family. Because I don't give a fuck about these people. So shit, yeah. shit, shit that actually matters. They're weaving yeah, like in. you know, with like the like the great smog, what thing that was going on with Churchill and all that, like. Season five, immediately I was like, why is Prince Charles so handsome? Why is he so handsome? Sure, Princess Diana's pretty. She was pretty in real life. They made Prince Charles way too handsome. And then they really did Camilla Dirty, who in general is not an attractive person in real life, but it made look worse with how attractive Prince Charles was. With how how attractive Prince Charles was. Um, Season six... Honestly, I was—I I mean, we're, we're, we're about a season into me wondering when they're going to kill this lady. And they did. They killed Princess Diana um, at the end of C- episode three. Uh, episode four was the only was I really enjoyed it. I thought the gentleman playing Prince Charles really did a great job uh, conveying emotion and all that stuff. And uh, I keep forgetting the name of the actor, but he got called him handsome for the last 10 minutes. It's good enough. Um that was McNulty from uh, The Wire. Is he? I didn't watch The Wire. So. Yeah, Dom- Dominic West. I believe yeah. his name is. That sounds correct, though. So, Lady playing Prince uh, Princess Diana is good too. Not a big fan of this incarnation of the Queen. Uh, this version of uh, Queen Mar- of uh, Princess Margaret. Not doing shit. Um, but this episode post Diana dying was was interesting. That was you know that was really it. Um, but yeah, I didn't watch the Scott Pilgrim thing. So I'm hoping one of you guys can talk about that. So, Marcus, what do you got this week? <laughs> yeah, um, I did watch Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. So I'll talk about that. I don't want to. What I will say is I did 
really enjoy the series. It's all up on Netflix. Um, without getting into spoilers, I think it's unless you haven't been following, like it's different. It is not just a retelling of the manga series or the movie. It is it's completely own different thing. After the first episode, the first episode is actually extremely faithful to the comics. Um, which I really enjoyed. And, and overall, like if they would have just stuck with what they did God, like uh, two decades ago and just adapted the, the manga because the, the, you know, the manga did have it, the ending was different than the movie. There was obviously a little bit more character development because they had, you know, there's a lot more time to develop certain things than the movie had, which kind of rushed through a lot of things. I, I think that would have been just fine, but I also wasn't like super excited about it too. It's just kind of like, you know, I've, I knew that story, so it's just like, well, I guess I'll see it again in a very vibrant, colorful, awesome animation style, which I think, even though the show veers off in a completely different direction, that still stays the same. Like The the art direction, I think it's still very faithful to what the manga was going for, um, but the story is completely different, and I really appreciated that, and I've seen it in a couple different adaptations um, where I do kind of appreciate, like, you can do another one-to-one retelling. Um, and if it's, if there's certain like different stories, that's like, yeah, I kind of want to keep it faithful to the original. So like people who hadn't experienced it can get that same experience that I had. But sometimes it is, especially with something like Scott Pilgrim, where like it hasn't aged the best. I mean, even when it first came out, it was a little bit problematic um, with some of the characters and like, you know, how they treated other people. I mean, it literally, and that, read articles about it you know the opening of both the movie and the comic is basically scott pilgrim's dating a high schooler you know like he's and he kind of cheats on her like he's kind of like you could put him in and it's very easy to look at him and be like well this, he's kind of a scumbag he's also a person in his 20s and i think a lot of you know i'm sure when i was in my 20s and a lot of young men in their 20s are kind of you know are learning how to become good people and make shitty decisions um, but overall, I would just say, like, look, it's really fun. If you like that series and are open to, like, maybe, like, a more modern take on it or, like, a more mature look at it, like, it's really fun. And for me, like, having always really been interested in those characters, seeing them in new scenarios and interacting with different characters is really cool. Like, some of the coolest parts of this series is, like, oh, these two characters are interacting with each other in a way they never did in the movie or comic, and they're kind of having, like, a moment, and that's, like, really cool. So I thought, I think there's definitely some aspects of the show that I really thoroughly enjoyed. So I definitely, like, hey, hey if you uh, like Scott Pilgrim, The thing with uh, Scott and Knives, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, I get what you're saying, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't think at any point that was viewed as a good, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, like, problematic, I think, would be, like, if they celebrated him doing that. I think even, like, Literally in the movie, yeah, they talked about how shitty it is that he's doing that. I don't think it was like, I don't know. I don't think it was like the movie celebrating it. I think it's just he's a flawed no, character. And it's, not, and it's not like him dating a younger girl was like the thing that was like problem. Because like also he's not that. I mean, when you say like he's dating a high school, like it's not like he was 38 or something. And it's like this really super gross thing. Like he was just like a little too old to be dating yeah. someone. That's seven, and everyone calls him out on it. Right. But I think what I say is problematic is like he's not really villainized for not not even just dating knives, but like he basically kind of cheats on her with Ramona and doesn't come clean for a while and stuff like that. And like he's he's supposed to be the protagonist that like you're trying to root for and, and you and you do kind of want to root for him, but it's also like he's not like the best guy in the world, which I think is 
I never had any problems with the comics or or the I, movie. I, I also kind of I kinda also thought like the end of the movie was him also apologizing and talking about how bad of a person he's been too. Stuff. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. But like, yeah. So yeah, but I mean, all that being said, like, I really enjoyed this new take on it. You know, I think you can enjoy, and I think having seen those other things definitely helps because like, there's. While I kind of wish they would have been able to have more licensing nuance to kind of make direct references to Zelda and video games because the manga sure as hell does like makes direct references to a lot of video games and stuff because licensing issues like the show kind of tiptoes around that stuff. What I really like is each episode has a title card and those title cards are in the font of video games. Like the first one's obviously super Mario brothers and it does street fighter and they do get a little obscure. And even I was like, I'm not sure which one is that bubble bobble. I'm not sure. Um, but overall, like, I just want to say, like, I really enjoyed the show. When you guys watch it, we can have like a more nuanced discussion about like the changes they made and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just I, remember I, really, I saw that really, movie in theaters with Mike. And uh, when the intro hit, Mike had this fucking look on his face. Like you had a level. It was like a child meeting Santa Claus. Mike was so <laughs> happy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that I, movie. Uh, that movie hit hard, dude. I still think that movie, if it came out, like given what, how much of like the number of cult followings out of that fucking cast that's developed, like between yeah, Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza and <laughs> even Karen Culkin and uh, fucking Captain America's in it and fucking Brie yeah. Larson. I mean, it's it, it it's a franchise that I've talked about, especially back then. That like. I didn't know about Scott program when like the comics first came out. I knew about it before the movie came out. And when I found it, it was just like, holy shit. Like this is written because of where I was, you know, age wise. Like this was written for me more or less. Like it, 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 the only thing it could have been more connected. Like if I grew up in Toronto, right? Like if I had that Canadian, but everything else was just like really super resonating with I me. Read, and then even I when the movie all, came out, I don't even remember the hmm. ending of the book though. I remember the ending of the movie. I don't remember the ending of the book at all. Unless the video game had the ending yeah. of the book. It, it, the, the video game adapts the, the manga. Oh, then I got that case. Or the comic, remember, whatever I beat the game um, during the pandemic. Yeah. But it was just one of those things. Like, And then the movie came out and it was like, it had all these tracks from bands I liked and stuff. Because there were a lot of Canadian alt-indie bands. It was just like, it was one of those franchises that I always felt like, man, every adaptation of this has really knocked it out of the park. And now to come 20 years later and, and do an animated series, it was kind of like, why even? But they had a different story to tell. And I enjoyed it. You know, I don't know if it was like the best thing in the entire world. I almost do want to like watch it again. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the time I spent with it. I thought it was a really fun show and I can't recommend it enough to people that, you know, have seen those other properties or just are interested in it in general. So yeah, give Scott Program takes off. Uh g- give it a shot. I really enjoyed it. Um another animated show I wanted to talk about real quick, and that's all I have this week. Um Bobby mentioned it. A couple years ago, I was like, oh, you might like this. I, and I knew about it when it came out. And I think I watched the opening to it, and it just didn't resonate with me the first time I tried watching it. And then later, it was just one of those, like, I'm just flipping through. And it's like, ah, I'll try giving this a shot. And I started watching more of it. And that's um Central Park. So that's the other show from Bobby. What's his last name? It's Lauren Birch. Lewin Bouchard, I think. Lewin Bouchard. Yeah. Who does... Bob's Burgers, who did home movies. Um, I think he was even part Maybe of the, Dr. Uh, Cats. The, the Alaska one also. Oh, I didn't see that one. I mean, I think that's yeah. the show. It's the same animation. I'm assuming it is. But yeah, I'm not, not totally Bichard, sure. Bouchard, but, um, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, 
I think Central Park, I mean, maybe it, it could be one of those things like the first time I watched it, it was just like, this is so New York centric. I just don't know if I'm like the right person to like be fawning over Central Park this much. But like once you start getting into the show, it's it's really good because um, Lauren just does a good job job putting those shows together. Um, it is a musical and it has, I think it's like, I think Josh Gad is like an executive producer. It has a lot of his feelings. He's one of the creators. He plays the narrator. Okay, yeah. He plays the narrator and you can just <sighs> tell like his hands are just in this a lot with like the music and stuff. And that might have been like the first time I heard the first song, I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. This guy doesn't always like resonate with me to the same extent. But once you get into the show, you know, you start feeling for the characters and stuff. Like it's really, it's it's a really easy bingeable show. But like it's very much in that Bob's Burgers vein, which again, like is a great show, but like it's Bob's Burgers, but like they throw a couple more songs in each episode, which Bob's does too. Like I started watching Bob's again. And then it was like, you start noticing like, God damn, every episode has a fucking song or two in it. Like this dude just loves putting, and it's not like they're bad or anything. You just notice like, there's a fucking song in each one of these episodes. Yeah, like, Linda they can't, can't sing at all. She's singing every fucking episode of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't, I almost want to ask, because I, I do remember we went to a Comic-Con panel with him, and I'm such a big Dr. Katz fan. I asked him a question about Dr. Katz and Bob's Burgers and stuff, because a lot of people in Bob's Burgers were in Dr. Katz too, but, and Lauren was part of that. And I just want to ask him, like, what is it with, I mean, like a lot of, a lot of an adult animated cartoons will have like songs in them, but like, it's just a lot of songs, dude. <laughs> like, is it just easier for you to like, ah, eh, you know, it's a 22 minute script, but if I throw, throw in three songs here, it's only got to be 12 minutes of plot. Like, I don't know what the thought process is or if it just like comes naturally. Cause it seems like it's a lot of music to write. It's a lot of lyrics. It's a lot of like melodies. You have to, I don't know if it's any easier than just writing like a plain up sitcom, but Either way, it's really good, you know, and there's definitely been some, you know, some songs have been super catchy. There's been some episodes that I think have been like emotionally impacting and stuff like that. And mostly those are just good fun. But yeah, Central Park, good show. Enjoyed it. Mike. Uh, to be honest, I hadn't watched the whole season yet, but I was going to talk about Scott Pilgrim. Um, I didn't read the manga, so I actually didn't know how it was different from the movies. I knew it was different from the movies. Uh, so I thought it was adapting the manga. Um, so I'm actually very happy to hear it's its own thing because now that gives me a reason to go read uh, the manga as well. Uh, but I have enjoyed it so far. Um, I was hoping it wasn't just like a nostalgia thing because I did love the movie so much. Um, but I have really enjoyed the show so far. Um, in particular, the episode that I just ended on, which I won't say anything because I don't think uh, Bobby's watched it. But I thought, oh, wow, this is very different from the movie. I'm very interested to see what happens next. But, you know, then the weekend happened. Uh, but yeah, my thing this week was actually going to be uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Did you watch it on Netflix or Netflix? Netflix. Oh, it's there. Okay. Understood. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um. All right. We'll be back next week, I think. That's it for this week, guys. Um. Hope mm -hmm. you enjoyed us bullshitting for the last two-thirds of this podcast, but this is, you know, 
You guys remember the back in the pandemic days where we just do it brackets for the sake of brackets. But uh, maybe we do the top five thing again. Maybe do like favorite movies or favorite shows. No, sure. Both of those off the top of my head already struggling. So um, that would be fun. So, but next week we're going to talk about this, quite frankly, pretty loaded card, um, (coughs) which is headlined by, uh, actually, I'm not sure which one's the headliner, but uh, Armin Saruki and and Benil Dariush. And then five-rounder, and then also a five-rounder of Bobby Green, Dan Hooker. Three-rounder, Davison Figueroa, I believe his first fight at Bantamweight. Could be wrong. Think it might be. Yeah. I think I'm not right. sure if I've seen, if we've seen him since he lost his belt. It seems like a long time ago, though, to be honest. So um, he uh, that was his last fight. Yeah, he hasn't fought at Bantamweight yet. Bantam, but he's fighting Rob Font. Sounds like a lot of violence in that one. Sounds like fun. And then Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum. They, they let Kelvin Gastelum back at 170 again. So... Um, just right now, don't know who I'm picking in any of those fights. So should be interesting. So we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to see uh, if anybody watched this PFL pay-per-view. Um, it's on during Black Friday, but there's also an NFL game during Black Friday. So PFL making some interesting choices here. $50, a lot of money. lot of money. Anyway, um, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. That was Lavender Gooms. Full squad here. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see y'all next week. Peace out. Yeah, Mike. Mark was not prepared for the post-show banter thing here at any point. So, like, nope. this is where you come through. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to know uh, what's you guys' favorite uh, side dish for Thanksgiving? Uh, stuffing. Mac and cheese, if it's there, baby. Yeah. It's, it's stuffing, Ooh, and, then it's probably, and then mac and cheese. Those are the two, those are the ones for me. So, my mother's a shrimp salad. I know you've made that a few Ooh. times when we did Friendsgiving. Ooh, yeah, you make Mike. Mike makes it pretty well too. Very tasty. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Peace.